Good morning, everyone. Grateful to see so many smiling faces. Uh, glad for a little bit better weather. Amen. Even though it's raining a little bit damp, but a little bit warmer, so that's always a good thing. Um, well, make sure to remind the church to be praying for a couple of kids in our community that are uh, facing uh, health uh, conditions. Uh, both of them are being treated for cancer. Uh, little girl named Tyra uh, down in uh, Vanceburg area and then Carson from up here at Firebrick uh, the parents are away and uh, with them uh, trying to guide them through uh, the medication and all that stuff but uh, they both need strength they both need uh, and covet prayers uh, little Tyra she's full of faith uh, I see where she posts even sometimes by herself it's just so awesome to see a little girl just uh, full of hope full of uh, uh, vinegar, if you want to say it that way, that she's just full of energy and uh, and life, and just pray for them uh, specifically. And as a church, we've been doing that. I've been doing that. I try to share it when I see it, and uh, it's always encouraging to the parents. I'm sure if you could just uh, share that stuff too, and maybe uh, shoot them a little message saying we're praying and stuff. It's always encouraging to know that there's other people got your back, and it's it's a good thing for a church to be there for them. Uh, the sermon this week is uh, entitled Culture Shock. I know uh, I don't know how that title came about other than that's just what I felt like titling it back in November. And it is uh, Valentine's Day week, so here we are at Valentine's Day week, and I've got to tie in somehow Culture Shock with Valentine's. So uh, hopefully, <laughs> prayerfully, God has allowed me to pin down some things uh, to help us get there and tie this together with, with this season. And happy Valentine's Day to everybody. Uh, love is in the air, as it says on the screen. So you can see there, it's just love is in the air. Uh, but culture shock. And I looked up the word, uh, term, the two words, culture shock. And it means the feeling of disorientation experienced by someone who is suddenly subjected to an unfamiliar culture, an unfamiliar way of life, or an unfamiliar set of attitudes. Look at your neighbor and say, what's your attitude? What's your attitude? So the deal is, if we look at attitude, and that causes a culture shock, uh, I love it that John Maxwell says that your attitude determines your altitude. It determines where you go in life, that our attitude hinders us, amen? That our attitude will hold us back. And uh, there's all kinds of scripture that talks and leads us into things about attitude and how to conduct ourselves and carry ourselves in life. And this culture shock is, is that feeling of disorientation that experienced uh, when something's new, that there's a newness. And we keep uh, the song that Leslie played this morning, Raise Ya Vu's, the song for the church for the year in 2018 is Bethesda, Raise Ya Vu. I feel like I'll be here again. And I want to be in a new place. Amen. I want to, I want to be in a place where I'm walking in the abundance that God has provided for my life. How about you? I want I want everything God wants for me to be uh, how I live, how I conduct myself. I want that newness to be there. So this culture shock, as I'm thinking this uh, in this message that we've been going through for the past several weeks, and we're going to go uh, way up into the summer even. We're going to have a sermon series right there around Easter, so you need to be inviting your friends and family to Easter service because we're going to start a new sermon series shortly right there at Easter. And it'll be a, a, a good uh, lesson 
for families and that type of stuff. But this culture shock is in this message today is a, as we're going through this journey uh, through Scripture of how Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. And as he led them out of Egypt, it was hard to get the Egypt out of people. Amen? You can physically be in your body outside of the slavery that you were once bound in, but that doesn't mean internally that you still don't possess some of those things that hinders your walk with Christ or hinders your walk with God. So once you become a Christian, it's new. The newness is there. It's like a culture shock type thing happens. And, and we'll look at a screen later on in the message today that kind of guides us through that process. But this, today's message is, is taken from Joshua chapter 6, and it's talking about the battle of Ai. The battle of Ai. I don't know where the town's at today, but the battle of Ai, A and I. I guess that's how you say it. Ai is the way I say it because it's A and I, so Ai is the way it is. So it's the battle that happens after Jericho. Last week we talked about Jericho, and, and, and a few weeks prior to that we've led up this story about how that uh, we've taken it from the uh, Red Sea experience of how uh, Moses was there, went back into Pharaoh and told Pharaoh, let my people go because that's what God told him in the burning bush experience. And Pharaoh gets them out of Pharaoh's care or his uh, uh, bondage. And as he leads them out, then Pharaoh chases them down. Red Sea opens up. They cross through the Red Sea on dry ground. Right? We know this happens. And, and there's still all kinds of documented proof of that today. I went to a seminar a few years ago that they're still they're finding stuff at the bottom of the Red Sea of, of literal chariots and different things that they saw that is still there today. It's a proven thing. And as they go across on dry, dry land, and then the water closes back up on Pharaoh's army, now they're in the wilderness. They're in this wilderness experience. They go see uh, Moses' father-in-law Jethro. Jethro gives them some advice. It gives Moses some advice. And it's about a two-year journey from the time they get there to wandering through the wilderness and getting over to the experience they had there at the edge of uh, the Jordan River. They looked across. Moses said, this is a good land. He prom God promises that to uh, Abraham. So if it's Abraham's promise, it's my promise. Amen? Amen. And the Bible says in Galatians, I think it's chapter 3, that Abraham's blessing is our blessing. That the blessing was on Abraham is upon us as children of God, as people of faith. So whatever God promised Abraham, he's promising us. That's what Moses <laughs> come to the decision. And Moses got there to the edge of the water, and he's like, you know what, we ought to send some spies in the land. It talks about that he sends in 12 spies, right? They go over. We talked about this last week. 12 spies go over. They come back. Ten of them got a bad report, so that's a bad attitude. Everybody say that. Say that's a bad attitude. Now, which one are you? We've got to figure out. Would I be one of the ten, or would I be one of the two? So Caleb and Joshua come back, and they, they have a good report, so they got a good attitude, right? So everybody smile real big. Look at your neighbor, just smile. Say, I'm just a, you know, I just tiptoeing through the tulips here. It's just awesome. i got the best attitude ever. So a good attitude brings a blessing. So here, Joshua and Caleb give a good report. The ten give a bad report, so the ten outweigh the good, right? That's what it is in life. A lot of times the bad outweighs the good. But the thing is, what are we going to focus on? But God looks at Joshua and Caleb, and he tells them, you're above 20 years old, but now anybody 20 years old or older is not going to go into the promised land you're not going to be able to receive the promise of the inherited land because you uh, went back on the word of the Lord that I told you to go. You won't go because you don't want to. So the word of the Lord was anybody 20 years old or older don't get to go in the promised land. That's bad times, right? How would you like to miss that by one day? 
Well, if you've been like 20 years old and turned 20 years old like yesterday, and then God just says, 20 years old and older, you ain't going in. Be like, Man, I missed it by day. Are you kidding me? Be unreal, wasn't it? That's another bad attitude, so that's bad way to be. Don't blame God. Blame yourself. So here, they go across the land, they come back, and you know, it can't, can't happen, and God leaves them in the wilderness. And the Bible says they wander for 40 years. 40 years is a long time. I don't know about you. I'm 41 years old right now. It'd be like my whole life that I've lived thus far being wandering in the wilderness, bound by slavery, impoverished by slavery. But there's a lot of blessings around us if we really look. See, the children of Israel, they would murmur against Moses. They'd murmur against, and even his sister and his brother and all, they murmured against them and all this stuff going on. But really, in reality, there was a place of blessing in the wilderness. Why? Because God provided they didn't have no food. That's a bad deal, right? So they go and ask Moses, and Moses prays, and God gives manna. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Be like, that's the that's the heavenly food stamp program. Just manna falls down every day, and you go out and get it. Just all you want, eat all you want, you know, healthy, good stuff. One time we got manna, and he's like, well, this free food ain't good enough. I need something else. We need meat. So they go, and Moses gets calls and praises God, you know, hey, God, they want something else. They got to tire this bread. So now, now quails come. That'd be pretty awesome. It'd be like a quail sandwich, you know, meat and bread, that's good. Taters, that's all I need. I can survive my whole life on that. Eat a few green beans every now and then, try to get some nutrients in there. But, you know, it's overall meat, bread, and potatoes, that's good with me. So out there in the wilderness, but here they're complaining about it, but God's giving it to them for free. It's a place of blessing, even in the wilderness. So that tells us that our attitude needs to be, no matter where we're at, we need to recognize the blessing of God. Amen? And as a church, in this new season, this new life that we're in, I believe today that this culture shock message is to get us to a point where that God is trying to tell us we need to play, uh, get into this mindset that we understand that God blesses us no matter what the situation is. His blessing still resides in my life. So Joshua is there too with Moses and witnesses all this stuff, but he's one of the two that gets to go in. It's over 20. They didn't recognize the blessing. So Moses stands up on the hill one day and he looks over across that land, across the river. It's not it's a river about the size of the Kenny Connect, so it's not like a big deep, you know, it's not like the Ohio River. River Jordan's about like Kenny Connect. And he looks across that land, and God tells him, you know, you're not going in there because you struck that rock, and I told you not to. I told you to speak to the rock and you struck it. You're not going in. Now it's sad, really. Moses put up with all that and don't get to go in. Because his attitude. Sure. What if our attitude stops us from the place of blessing? What if the only difference today, if we would decide in this room, I'm going to walk out of here with a better attitude, with a godly attitude, and I'm going to live according to Scripture and what God promises me, and it's going to change my life for a new direction. I believe it's that possible that God can allow us if we'll believe, if we'll have faith to believe. And do what he tells us to do that our life can change in an instant by believing that way. Moses stands on the mountain, dies. They bury him. Joshua's now in charge. So as Joshua comes in charge, he goes across the Jordan River, and it even the same thing. The river parts, waters go back, they cross on dry ground, take the uh, Ark of the Covenant across. 
Priest go over there and have a big party. You know the story we just talked about last week. As they get over on the other side, and then God tells them to go walk around the mountain. We talked around the city of Jericho. We talked about that last week. But also in, in, in Joshua chapter 5, it, uh, uh, Joshua instructed the people because God told him to that whenever they got around Jericho, whenever the walls did fall, to don't take anything for yourself because it's all accursed because God said so. Look at your say, because God said so. Amen. If God says so, it's so. That's, that's not, you know, a lot of people like black and white and a lot of gray, right? But this is one of those deals that's either black or white. It's, it's God gives the command and that's it. It's settled forever in heaven. His word don't change, it says. So God told him, don't take anything because it's a curse. I'm telling you, don't take anything out of the city because it's a cursed city and you don't bring that cursing back into your into your tribe, into the nation of Israel. But there's this guy in, in, in the battle that he's there and they blow the horns and the walls fall. Can you imagine that kind of excitement of seeing that kind of miracle that you thought was impossible, that 75-foot walls crumble to the ground and all of a sudden you can go in and the battle's already won because God won it for you. And seeing that kind of miracle, and it says they all go straight forward, they go into the city, and whenever they go into the city, they're supposed to get the gold and silver and bring it back out to the, to the uh, tabernacle and bring it back in. But leave everything else there and burn it. But this guy named Achan, when he gets inside the city, he gets to look around and it says he sees this Babylonian robe. And he looks at it and he covets it. He's like, man, that's awesome. I've been living in the wilderness in poverty on food stamps for 40 years. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. Now I'm sitting. He's sitting there and he's on unemployment right now. So he's lightning. Wake up, almost. She's telling the truth. They're on unemployment right now. So it's kind of the same thing. It's like you see this new code. It's like, man, that's awesome. It's mine for the taking, right? But God said it's cursed. So we rationalize these things in our mind. What do I do now? Now what do I do? And Aiken decides, I'm just going to take it. Then it says he takes that coat and he takes some silver that he finds in that house and also gold that he finds in that house. And God clearly instructed Joshua, tell him to take the gold and silver and bring it into the treasury so that the people as a whole as Israel can be blessed. Whenever he does it, he takes the young house and it says that he goes back and hides it in his tent. And he buries a hole in the middle of his tent because they're still living in tents right now. They took this walled city, but they're living in tents. He digs out a hole, buries it in the ground. Tries to hide it. It's kind of crazy that sometimes we think we can hide things from an all-seeing God. That we think our lives that we're living, that nobody knows. And now this whole story in Joshua 5, 6, and 7, it tells us that Achan, one man's sin, brought a curse upon Israel, the whole nation, and they lost their next battle of Ai because of one man's sin. Our sin has consequences on others. Amen? Amen. Sometimes we feel like, well, if I sin, it's just going to cause me pain. But really... The sin might cause your whole family pain. Amen. 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 Sure. It might cause your whole county, your whole state, your entire nation pain. So God's telling us here today, we've got to watch. If we're going to have this culture shock moment where there's this new comes in, we've got to decide in this newness of what am I going to do. Well, I can tell you what I want to do. As for me and my house, 
we're going to serve the Lord. Amen? That's what Scripture teaches us. we got to decide that. Joshua had to decide that. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen? And that's, that's not an easy thing to do. I'm not telling you that it's just simple, but it's something you've got to make a decision. And as you decide, God will lead you. God will bring you into truth. But So, it's, so it's, uh, Achan does this. He takes this and he hides it. And then they go up in battle of Ai as it happens. It's a culture shock, right? Because they come out of this wilderness experience. They still possess this 20-year-old and younger generation are now, you know, people that's older. They're, they've been wandering for 38, 40 years. And here they are. They're, they're out here 60 years old now. And all their kids and grandkids are the ones doing the fighting, right? So they're even going into this second battle. It's a culture shock. They've come from the other side of the Jordan River. And now they're in this place where grapes are big around as blooms. That's what it said. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, right? So they're in this new land where that everything's just ginormous. It's kind of like on Buddy Delph, you know, where we've seen that commodity. He's like, have you seen the commodities? They're ginormous. It's crazy, right? So this gigantic stuff, there's giants, and the, but God's helping help them to win. But this one man's sin leads them to lose the battle of Ai. So Joshua gets up and he prays, and Joshua begins to pray about, you know, why did we lose the battle? Because the blessing of the Lord's with us. He's told us it's our land, but as we're going out to fight for it, now we've lost. Something's up. Something's wrong. And he begins to pray, and God tells him that there's a person in camp that has stolen something from Jericho, and now he's possessing it. And as he's possessing it, it's a cursed thing that's cursed the nation of Israel. So Joshua gets to pray, and God tells him, you know, get the tribes together. So then you can go through Joshua chapter 7, and it tells you that he calls forth the tribes of Judah. And Judah comes up, and he gets down to this household, and it comes all the way down to Achan. Finally, Achan's the only one standing before Joshua. And Joshua tells him, come truth. Tell the truth. So it's like a judge sitting there with a jury and all this different stuff going on. And he's telling him, it's your time to uh, tell your side of the story. So Achan tells your side of the story. Achan tells him. Achan says, more or less, confesses to the sin that he committed. And he tells a story. Stowed his cloak. Stowed some silver. Stowed some gold. The Bible says that confession is good for the soul. Confession is good for the soul. So Achan confesses, but sometimes we wait too late to confess. Amen? Also, let's confess your faults one to another. Sometimes we've got to tell each other. You've you got to have some prayer partners. You've got to have some accountability partners. If you're struggling with something in your life, you need to find somebody to say, you, you be my best friend, and let me tell you what I'm dealing with, and let them help you pray through it. Amen? That's what the church is supposed to be for. We lift each other up, that we help carry each other's burdens, that we don't, nobody bears a burden alone. So it's, as we're thinking about this, that I can confess this, but I really, it's too late now because God's already cursed the whole nation. And God says, whoever stole these things is going to die. So as this begins to happen and it goes down, Joshua makes the decision. They take Achan out and they kill him and God's blessing comes back on it. Next thing you know, they go into battle again and they, they win. But you never say, I'd rather win. Sin is the only thing that stopped them from winning. Culture shock, right? I'm telling you today, during this little lovey-dovey type of, of deal we're going through here today, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, it's red floor, red carpet, we've got red stuff up here, it's just awesome red, you know, it's Valentine's Day, Karen even wore a red sweater and a red coat, and the ladies back here has got, you know, uh, their red on, so it's just a lovey-dovey type atmosphere, right? 
What is the only difference between a new lifestyle to live and a lifestyle of winning versus losing is sin. What is the culture shock that we could experience that we really want in our life? I want some new things. Amen. I want a newness of life. A new take on life. What is the only difference is sin? That's what Proverbs teaching here. So Achan has to decide. He tells, decides to tell the truth, but he goes on and dies. Makes me wonder, if he confessed his sin, more likely he'll be in heaven. Amen? If you confess your sins, right? Believe in your heart. You're going to make heaven. It's the Old Testament. So here it is. There's all kinds of Ten Commandments that he broke, that he, he shouldn't have done, he shouldn't have coveted. Thou shalt not covet, right? We know the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet. So Achan coveted something else that belonged to somebody else. It wasn't his. So God's condemnation was already there. Or not his condemnation. Yeah, it was his condemnation. He brought conviction, but condemnation was there. But in the New Testament, it says there's therefore now no condemnation to those who love God. So if you love God in this place today, and you have sin in your life, you can love God and still have sin, Right? All sin and come short of the glory of God. Amen, Pastor. I believe that. That even Christians sometimes deal with sin. Amen. amen. Anybody don't say amen, you're lying. Sure, I've become a Christian, but can I sit in here and say that in 1999, when I give my heart to Jesus, that I've never sinned since 1999? I'd be a liar. I can't lie, right? I'm going to tell you the truth. I. I I, not that I want to sin. Paul even says that in, in Romans chapter 7. That old wretched man that I am. I don't want to sin, but sometimes I do. Right? So here we go. How are we going to deal with this? These broken laws, these broken commands, what are we going to do? Haken had to decide. Culture shock. He was dealing with some things going through some ebb and tide in his life of dealing with loss. Moses was gone. A new Joshua was here. We crossed the river of Jordan. We've never done that before. We've won a battle where walls fell down because God said so. It's culture shock, folk. And whenever we get in a new season of life, this culture shock moments, whenever newness comes into our life, it, it brings about some stuff. So Leslie, if you'll bring this up. So in culture shock, and I, as I look this up and not find this graph, this is talking about uh, people... Uh, from outside the country, moving to a new country. It's not even American or whatever. It's just if, if a, a native person from Sudan moves to Ethiopia, they're going to have culture shock because it's a new culture. It's a new group of people, right? So it's not American versus anything else. It's just uh, culture shock. So there's a honeymoon phase. We can talk about honeymoon phases, right? It's Valentine's Day. Oh, just lovey-dovey. Husbands kiss your wives. Greg, you gotta kiss Donna. Okay, you gotta kiss. Come on, kiss. Jason said, "All right, Mark, you just kiss Teddy then. Just reach over and give him a kiss." There's a honeymoon phase, right? Yes. Now the whole room's red. Everybody's face is red. It's awesome. This is definitely Valentine's Day now. Uh, so there's a honeymoon phase, and it's, it says the culture is new, exciting. Their dreams and expectations about the future seem to be coming true. 
So when somebody goes to a new country, maybe they're in Sudan, and that's one of the most impoverished, war-torn nations right now, that the Muslims are taking over, they're killing people left and right for being Christian, and anybody that gets out of that country that goes to a new country, they're looking for a new land. They're looking for a new lease on life. They're looking for culture shock, right? I, I'm tired of the culture I'm living in. I won't go somewhere else. So they move out, and they come to this new place. It's a honeymoon phase. When they get there, it's like, oh, finally, I'm here. I can remember being... 12, 13, 14 years old, thinking, man, I can't wait to get married. I can't wait to get married, you know. It's kind of like, I can't wait to get my license. And then I can't wait to graduate so I don't have to put up with these idiots no more. And then I can't wait to do this. And, all, you know, there's just all these points in our life where we can't wait. And honeymoon, it's just all about that. Everybody knows what the honeymoon is. There's a real good attraction series by Pastor Chris. Uh, down in uh, Alabama right now. If you want to look it up. It's really awesome. Uh, talks about everything. Uh, he gets into sexual, all kinds of stuff and everything else. Uh, husbands love your wives, as it says in uh, Timothy. So, honeymoon phase, it's awesome. Honeymoon night's an awesome experience. It's a culture shock in this new society you're moving into. So, where we get there, and then the next thing you know, there's a rejection phase, it says here. So once these new people, and it happened a few years ago, so uh, this, this couple from a foreign land, they come move to America, and it's, they're getting out of tyranny, they're trying to find a new lease on life, and, and they, they get to Ellis Island, and they go through Ellis Island and study all this stuff about American culture, about American, and, and Americans are standing there in front of them telling them, you know, if you sign this paper, you're going to be an American, it's going to be awesome. So these people moved here and they're like, oh man, it's going to be great. Where are we going to go? Well, we got this little place called Vanceburg, Kentucky. If you go there, it's the most country hick people you've ever seen in your life. They're just awesome. They love everybody. So this couple moves to Lewis County. And the government says, we'll even help you get a new lease on life, a new start, because we believe in helping people coming in. We believe in helping others as a society. They say, we'll even give you some tax incentive and give you a gas station. You go buy it. It's sitting there empty. You just go buy it. This couple comes and buy right by the radio station in Lewis County. They get in there, open up shop, get all these vendors coming in saying, yeah, sell our product. It's going to be awesome. It's a honeymoon, right? Next thing you know, nobody comes through the door. You know why? Because they don't look like us. I ain't going in there. A bunch of Arabs. What are they doing here? <clears throat> they're the same kind of people. You ever smell them? Literally, I said that once. I'm ashamed of it. Went to a little town called Paintsville, Kentucky, working in INS. And I walked into a motel, found the cheapest one when I walked in that motel room to pay for my it smelled like curry. Has anybody ever cooked with curry? That stuff stinks like I don't know what. It made my stomach turn, literally. It's like pure nasty. And everything they cook is with that junk. So I walked in there and I was like, I'll pay for one night, but I can't stand it no more. I mean, it was just a whole motel stunk because of it. And I decided I ain't going to stay here because I don't like every kind of people. And they shouldn't be in our country anyway. And they own all the motels. They own all the gas stations. How many said stuff like this? Come on, be truthful. How pitiful for Christians. I, I'm, I'm just going to say the simple. I know how. God convicts us of it because it's sin. Yeah. 
We shouldn't look down on somebody else because of the color of their skin. Or what nation they come from. Amen. Come on church, say amen. I feel like I need some help here. So they come in, they, they go through this big honeymoon experience on Ellis Island, they get to Vanceburg, they get a rejection phase. It's like, nope, ain't going there. Next thing you know, they go bankrupt. Because nobody go in the store. Because they smell different, they look different. They wear a tower around their head. Leslie well, wears one around her head when she gets out of the shower or bathtub. How much different are they really? Then there's this regression phase. In order to deal with the stressful changes, the refugee may only try to surround himself with the people of their own culture. So now, in America, I'm just taking it from what I've witnessed in my life, because the only thing I can go into account with is what I've witnessed. Now we put people down because when they move into our town, we don't like them. What happened right up here a week ago, people come in and spray paint it all over the side of the wall. That's sad. Amen? A culture shock for those people. They're trying to just make a way new lease in life. I don't know their background. I don't know their history. But God does. And what if God put them in a position in this county, in this region, so that Christians could reach across the counter and say, I'm a Christian and God loves you because I love you too. We don't know. But God does. Culture shock. So, this regression. So in order to deal with this stress when they get rejected, what do they do? They'll go back and find a community where people are just like them or are assembled together in little nicks and parts of society. They'll segment, take their self and go to these different regions. And then we put them down because look at them. They're all living over together. They just want to start another little rack down here in Bowling Green. That's what we say. We get mad at them because they're here. And then we get mad at them because they all want to live together because it's the only place they can get along with somebody find somebody that will love them. Maybe this is an off-topic thing for Lewis County, but I want to preach it as truth anyway. You know why? Because it's the truth. And the truth will set people free. And these people around the wall, look at these pictures right here. There's a diversity in this world that we live in. And there's people in every one of these continents, every one of these towns, every one of these regions that we're looking at, and they're going to be in heaven someday. Yep. Amen? Amen? And when we go to heaven, what are we going to do? We're going to say, I ain't going to your gas station? I don't know if there's gas stations in heaven. <laughs> we're going to say, Jesus, I don't like them. They don't speak English. Yep. Yep. I don't know. we got to decide where's our attitude. And culture shock for us, just like it is for them. This newness of life. Regression states, they all move in together. Next thing you know is recovery. If a person can work through the regression phase, they may be able to accept and feel accepted by American culture. So once they get in, assimilate themselves together as a group, they'll find other people outside of them, they'll start loving them a little bit, and next thing you know, they go into this next phase, which is called reverse culture shock. And that means if they would go back to their home country 10 years later, they've assimilated into America so much that they're more American than they are in that country. Culture shock. God is speaking some truth to us today. What are we going to do with it? Yeah. Talking about uh, Valentine's Day, I had to write this scripture down. You can't have Valentine's without this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 28. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus is preaching there the Sermon on the Mount and tells people, you know, you've heard it said don't coach your neighbor's wife 
because that's the last of the Ten Commandments. But Jesus said, I'm going to even step further. Don't take anybody else's wife and don't even look at them wrong because it's sin. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23 says, Wives, submit yourself to your husbands and do so to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, is the head of the church, his body, which is he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit themselves to husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Men should say amen right there. That, you you would have got brownie points. I was setting you up. I mean, that was like the biggest lob you've ever seen in softball. Husbands, love your wives. Amen. Well, there's one. Uh-oh. Things are getting out of hand on the front row. Mom called me the other day and said, uh, she said, this stuff I've got for our counter up here, it messes with your reproductive organs. <laughs> I went and told my boss, I said, Sandy, or she's a secretary, she's my boss, she tells me what to do, secretary does, but anyway, I told Sandy, I said, Mom, they must be planning on having more kids or something, I don't know. <laughs> Valentine's Day, I don't know. And present herself as a radiant church without stain and wrinkle and other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. Yeah. Leslie, love you. Love you. Aww. I don't, uh, I probably don't say it enough. She tells me all the time, you want to hold my hand in public? Because I don't like that. What is it? PDA or what, what they call PDA, kids. What's the PDA? You can't do it at school, you can't do it in youth group, or Alvin does these cut rules, you know, you can't do PDA at church. They're pretty adamant about that, so it's a good thing. Uh, for members of the body, for the reason a man will leave his father and mother and unite to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each, or, each of one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. The wife must respect her husband. Culture shock. Valentine's Day is a culture shock. If you don't bring flowers home, man, or candies or something. I mean, my mom even sent them to me just now. I'm sitting here and the kids brought me up a little candies for mama. Because she can't go buy a dollar store without stopping. <laughs> culture shock. Love is in the air. God is speaking to us today and telling Amen. us. Check our attitude, folks. Let this be a season where we love the unlovable. There may be others that have hurt you. This is a season for forgiveness. To let it all go. Let's start with a new clean slate so that we, in this culture shock and we understand how culture works. So we can change our future because if we change the future of the people in this room, them little kids down there, yep. they won't have to bear the same burden you there did. You Amen. Moses had to stay in the wilderness with the burden of slavery. But Joshua got to go into the new land and fight battles that Moses never got to fight because he was of a new generation. And I don't want these young fellows right here, that little lady sitting right there, to fight the battles I've had to fight. I don't want them to be impoverished with the slavery that's been laid on my shoulders. Yeah. What if one generation could set the next generation free? 
What if the people in this room today would make decisions to do away with sin and start a new lease on life? Then your kids will be totally redeemed and set free and on a different path for life because of your decisions. I believe it can happen. Amen. I believe it can be a culture shock. I love it whenever I see kids say, we had it happen a few years ago. We had a little boy come to church. Precious little fellow. He was young. I mean, probably five, six years old. And he heard us talking in church about praying for food. He goes home. He, we picked him up. You know, he just walked up to church. He lived in apartments with his and grandma. He went home to his mom and dad and said, Dad, pray for the food. It happened. His dad's sitting there like, What? Dad, they said church to pray for the food. We, we need to pray for the food. His dad, not a Christian, don't go to church. Don't. And he looks at his little boy, and his little boy's like, pray, Dad. Come on, we got to pray for the food. Finally, the dad prays, and the little boy looks at him and says, Dad, that wasn't very good. <laughs> Culture shock. Yeah. Kids yeah. affecting even adults. Yeah. Won't you stand? It's 1230. I'm right on the dot. It's awesome. This is, this is a sign of success. I want everybody here to just bow your head and close your eyes. I really believe that these messages that God gives us is for everybody in the room. There's nobody exempt that's not facing something or facing a battle in your life. Jesus taught if you speak to a mountain, the mountain's got to move. The Old Testament prophet said, I'll shout to the mountain, grace, grace. There's some people in this room I really know are facing some battles in life. And you're thinking, I, I don't want my kids to have to fight these battles that I've been fighting. And I'm ready to see the next generation be set free. So much so that it's recognizable and it's a culture shock to them that they know something is different in my home. So everybody here, I just want you to very simply just pray this very simple prayer. And ask the Holy Spirit, what is, what is God speaking to you today? There's some people in this room that you may be thinking that God's message today, that the Holy Spirit resounded in your heart whenever I was talking about attitudes and you may be thinking, man, that's me. I got stinking thinking. I got a bad attitude. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me about that. There may be others in this room today that whenever the Holy Spirit's speaking and you've thought about the next generation. There may be others in the room that's just whenever I brought out the part about the covering the sin and hiding things from God. And you thought, that's me. I need to quit hiding from God. And I just need to be open. And I need to confess. The Holy Spirit can speak to us in this place today. And he can cause a radical change in our life. Because we can be transformed by the blood of Jesus. Everybody here, just bow your head, close your eyes. I just want to know, is there anybody here that will say, Pastor Ben, Holy Spirit speaking to me and I need to make a few changes. The culture shock needs to happen in my life and in my family. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Hands all over the place. Thank you. Anybody else? Amen.
Anybody else? Holy Spirit speaking to me, and I need to make some changes. It'll change some things in my life. I want to pray with us if you can. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. God, I pray a blessing over Bethesda. God, I pray a blessing over our congregation, over our people. God, everybody that's here today, I'll just speak into their lives. Lord, that they will be able to overcome the mountains and the valleys. Lord, that the decisions that you lay at their feet, Lord, that they would make wise decisions. And God, that your Holy Spirit quickens our, our mind, our spirit today. Help us to make wise decisions, Lord, that our attitudes would change. For those that are in the room that needs to deal with some sin, God, I pray that you would just awaken within them the fortitude to come forward. Lord, that they can confess. And God, that they can walk in the newness of life and you'll bring a life of blessing in front of them. God, I pray today for those that hear, Lord, that are speaking to mountains. Lord, that they're facing situations that just seem bigger than big. That it seems impossible, God, that you've given them faith in this room today. God, I pray that they would be able to speak grace to that mountain. Lord, that they would overcome. Lord, that there will be a culture shock happens because Bethesda believes. Lord, that let us be a church. Lord, that's all-inclusive. Lord, for the people of different cultures and the people of different regions and the people of different color and ethnic groups, God, as they move into our community, let Bethesda be the church that would wrap our arms around them and say, you're welcome here because this is God's house. Help us to be so inviting, God, that people would know that you love them, that love would be in the air. Just as I can sense you're here right now. Lord, you're not condemning people, you're convicting people. And help us to walk in that conviction, God, knowing that you're changing us from the inside out. In Jesus' holy name, I pray. Everybody says, Amen. Amen.